Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. What's up, everybody? I am so excited because today we're kicking off a collection of talks that we're calling Voices. Now, I just want to take a moment to explain a little bit about why we're doing this. For the next four weeks, we're going to hear from two individuals that are outside of Embassy City and then two that are actually within our own walls. Now, the reason why we're doing this is because God has blessed the church with a diversity of voices, different personalities, uh, different contexts, different styles of preaching. And we want to have a well-rounded appetite of hearing the word of God from people from various backgrounds. So that's the reason why we're doing it. It's going to help us grow as individuals and as a church to hear God speak through others into our local body. The second reason why we're doing this is this gives me an opportunity to do three things, to reflect, to rest, and prepare. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, it gives me time to just reflect a little bit on what God has done within our church over the last several months at the beginning of the year, to really think through our sermon series, to catch up on things that went well, and maybe some things we can improve but also it gives an opportunity to rest. I'm always going to practice what I preach. I encourage you all to rest and I want to do the same. So my family and I are going to take some time to rest and rejuvenate and make sure that we're healthy in spirit, soul, and body. Plus, we get to attend just as a family, which is super cool. And then to prepare. We have some amazing things that are coming up for the next half of the year. And this gives me an opportunity to really spend intentional time in prayer and fasting and preparation for all that is to come in the next few months. And so we're going to do this this month. And we believe that God's going to do amazing things over the next four weeks. So now, without further ado, our very first guest, I get to introduce to you for the very first time. He's a great pastor, pastor church in Fort Worth called Freedom Church. He's a great father, a great husband, and he has a voice that every preacher covets. So stand to your feet. Come on all across the place. And would you please put your hands together and give a warm welcome to Pastor Robert White. Come on, man. Preach the word. Amen. Amen. Come on and give God some praise in here. Oh, no, you can do better than that. That's the same clap you gave for me. Give God some praise in here. Lift up your voice. Lift up your sound of praise and let God know that we love him and we honor him, that there is no one that we would rather be in the presence of than our holy and our awesome God. Amen. And while you're there, can we give honor to the angel of this house, your pastors, Pastor Tim and Janice River. Come on, give God praise for them. Amen. Amen. Before you take your seats, I want to say something that I say whenever I preach out. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, I believe around verse 17, that you ought to honor those who give leadership over you as one who keeps watch over your soul. Now, now I need you to hear me because you just read that Bible and you thought that that was it. But I need you to understand that he keeps watch over your soul. If I got an attorney, I want him doing real well because he's watching over my affairs and my legal matters. If I got a doctor, I want her doing real well because she's looking over my body. 
If I got an accountant, I want them doing real well because they're watching over my finances. I don't need them tempted and distracted by the other things of life. And so I want them doing real well because they're watching over the things of my life. How much more for the person who keeps watch over your soul? Those things will pass away, but your soul is eternal. So can we also give honor again to the shepherd of this house, the one who keeps watch over your soul? Amen. Have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. Well, I'm honored to be here today and so grateful to be at Embassy City Church. Y'all don't understand. Y'all are known around the globe for who you are. One of the most diverse, spirit-filled, amazing, obedient, submitted, humble places on the planet. And we are excited to be here today. Y'all do understand that this is not normal. I need you to understand that you're sitting in the move of God that is not normal in our time and in our day. And so uh, I want to make sure that you understand that and that you appreciate what it is that you're sitting in. I want to give honor to my wife who is not with me. She is our children's pastor. And if you know anybody here work with kids in the kids, kids area. Okay. You know, y'all like, no, that's why we're in here. <laughs> my wife works with the kids and, and, and you know, there is something uh, to be said, but I wanted to show y'all a picture of them because statistically, if you see my wife and my girls, you'll like me better. So immediately I show you them so that all of your reservations about me goes away because you're like, if they love him, then maybe we should too. And so that's where we have that. But I love them, honor them, and I wish they could be here with me. Uh, maybe next time we come, we'll come as a family and do like Tim is doing and just sit and worship and have a good time on a break. Amen? Well, listen, I'm excited to kick off this month of voices, and I pray that the Spirit of God will speak something to your heart and your mind through a word that that I believe he gave me on a plane coming home from Africa uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, Tim asked me about preaching, and I said, sure. And then the Spirit of God immediately dropped something in my spirit that I believe is going to bless you all today. Amen? All right, let's pray real quick. God, thank you for your word. We thank you for your people. We pray that the two will come together in this moment and that your word will penetrate the hearts of your people and they will go out and do amazing exploits for the kingdom of God. Speak through me. Use my mind, my mouth my mannerisms to communicate the gospel message of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 28, Acts chapter number 28, and when you get there, just say something. Say something, anything. Come on. Amen. All right, there you go. He's popping up all over the place. Y'all the Bible trail people. Y'all got there faster than everybody else. And here's the reality. Uh, if you don't have it, I'm sure they're going to have it on the screen. I'm going to read the last two verses of Acts 28, which means these are the last two verses of the book of Acts. These are the last two verses of the book of Acts. And here's how it reads. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. It's only two verses. Entertain me. Let's read it again. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. 
I recently made a couple of discoveries about myself as I was thinking about uh, preaching this message, and, and, and it's going to seem odd for y'all, but, but, but stay with me. I promise I'm going somewhere. A couple of discoveries about myself. One, I don't like to watch TV series as they develop. Tim, I realized that I'm not the guy who can go watch the show for 45 minutes and then at the end of it, watch the cliffhanger at the end, wait for the next week, see what's going to happen next. Like, it's just too emotional for me. I can't keep waiting. I can't develop with these characters over four years. No, I'm the guy who waits for the end of the series, gets the recommendation, and watches the whole thing at one time. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Like, at least, at least, even if I get a hold of it, I'm going to wait to the end of the season, binge watch the season, and then say I'm caught up and then wait. I'm the guy who watches absolutely no TV or all TV. Like, I'm, I'm that's me. I'm all or nothing. I discovered this about myself, and I realized this is something much to my wife's chagrin, because she's like a methodical pacing person. She watches TV one minute at a time. She's like, okay, there's a commercial break. I'm going to pause. I'll come back next week. I'll finish it. I'm like, nah, I got to watch it all right now. The other thing that I've discovered about myself, though, is that I don't like series endings. Like, I get emotionally invested in all of these characters. We done walked together. I've seen your ups. I've seen your downs. We family now. Like, we've been hanging out. I was watching a show when I was on a trip. To, I was on this trip to Africa, the same one where the Lord dropped this on my spirit. You know, it's only so much praying and writing you could do on a plane. So I downloaded some episodes, and I'm binge watching on this 16-hour flight, and the show is coming to a close, and I'm getting emotional on this plane. People are walking around like, is he okay? Do we need an emergency landing? I mean, I, I, I am emotionally invested in the characters. And when the show comes to an end, I'm frustrated because usually a good writer doesn't just tie up all the loose ends. A, a good writer will make sure that at the end of the show, there's a little bit left to the imagination. A good writer, when the show is over, will give you a little bit to think about and say, hey, here's something that you need to think about and consider about these characters that you've been so attached to, these characters who become your people that you hate to see them go. The good writer wants the audience, he wants to leave the audience wanting more. What's going to happen next? Is there going to be a spinoff? Who's going to be the spinoff person? Is the story done? And today, I want to talk to you from the book of Acts, this last two verses from this particular topic. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. Because Luke, who is the writer of both the book of Luke and the book of Acts, is one of these writers who writes in a way that leaves us wanting for more. I told you that these are the last two verses of the book of Acts, but this is the last two verses of a prequel and a sequel. The book of Luke is the first book that he writes. Then he writes a book called Acts that we have read and we understand to be the beginning and the, the imp, uh, implementation of the church. The, the book of Luke starts off saying that he wants to write to a dude named Theophilus. We're going to call him Theo for short. He said, Theo, you've believed in the gospel. Now I want to give you, after careful investigation, this is what it is that you've believed. 
and he's rooted him in the story, told him about Jesus, one of the synoptic or similar gospels that tells us about the life and the legacy, the work and the finished work of Jesus Christ, how he came and lived, how he died and rose again. He says, Theo, this is the foundation of your faith. Many of you in the room today are Theos. You have this faith that you have given to Jesus. You have given your life to him, surrendered to the call, given your your soul over to him saying, God, I believe in your death, your burial, and your resurrection. I will live as a reflection of your life. Theo, I want you to know you made a good decision. If there are any Theos in the house that are maybe questioning where you are, I, like Luke, come to remind you that you made a good decision, that after careful investigation, there's no better decision that you could have made. Giving your life to Jesus was the greatest gift that you could have ever given yourself. I know you wanted that vacation in Dubai. I know you've been saving up for that new whip. I know that you want those new shoes, but the greatest gift you could have ever given yourself was to give your life to Jesus. Theo, you did a good thing. But Luke says, I need you to understand, Theo, that after Jesus got up and and you gave your life to him, there's still more to the story. That, That there's not an ending at the resurrection. No, the resurrection is Jesus taking a bow at intermission and coming back and saying, now it's your turn. And so now what Luke does, he says, everything that I started to tell you, Theo, I need you to understand that there is even more ahead. In the book of Luke, we see Jesus moving from Galilee to Jerusalem, the place in which was the holy city of Israel. And then in the book of Acts, what we see is the apostles moving from Jerusalem to Rome. And where we close this book is Paul in Rome, the center of the known world. And at the time, Jesus leaves us in Acts chapter number one, teaching on the kingdom of God. And Acts ends where it begins. Now Paul is in Rome teaching on the kingdom of God. And Luke says, I'm not tying up the loose ends. This series finale is not for you to say, wow, everything worked out perfectly. This is the end of the story. The characters all settled into their happily ever after. No, Paul is under house arrest. Paul Paul is in a house, this rented house that we read about. Paul is under house arrest. The loose ends have not come together. Luke's original audience is asking, what happened to Paul? Was, Was he exonerated or was he executed? What happens to Paul? And he says, the whole point of the story was not for you to idolize Paul. The point of the story was not for you to idolize Paul. It was an illustration of the standards of success that happens when we begin to believe the gospel and live out its principles. The the, the point was not for you to look at the stories and tell the stories of what other people did. No, the point was for you to see what you were capable of. I wish I had a few people in the room who understood that the Bible is not a glorified history lesson. That it is not what we do to go look and see what other people did just to propagate their biographies, autobiographies, or stories. But God says, I am coming to you to show you what I'm capable of when somebody submits themselves to me. What God says in the book of Acts is, I've shown you what Paul can do. You've seen what Peter can do. You've heard about 
Apollos and Aquila and Priscilla. You've seen all of the exploits of the people, how they throw people in the shadows of those who were anointed so they will be healed. How how the uh, handkerchiefs of those who were anointed would heal those people. How prayer opened up jail cells and raised people from the dead. You've seen how it happens when the gospel is preached and thousands of people come to Christ. He says, I want you to see what was possible when people submitted to me. And I feel like in this particular house, you need this word. Because just like Jesus, Paul wasn't there when Jesus started to preach the kingdom of God to the original disciples, but Paul was handpicked by Jesus to transition into this place and space of carrying and continuing the gospel. Then Paul says, after you've seen me do it, after being handpicked by the original, I need for you to understand it's not just for you to watch me do it, it's for you to do it as well. I wish I would have had about five more people at Embassy City who understood that because the original founding pastor was the one who started teaching the kingdom and picked the next person by the power of the Spirit of God to continue into the work. But he's saying, don't look at me. It's the example that I give so that you too can do what God called you to do. We're not done yet. And the reason why, Tim, we oftentimes find ourselves thinking that we're done is because we look back, read it, and say, okay, God, you do what you do. God, God, we saw what you did then. We want you to do what you do. And God is saying, no, I'm waiting on you to do what you do. Because the same way that I moved, watch this, through them. I want to move through you. Say it again, because I just gave you my thesis. And if you miss my thesis, you miss the message. The same way that I worked through them, I want to now work through you. So I got four reasons why you can rest assured that the same way that God worked through them, he can also work through you. Then I'm going to let y'all go. Y'all the early crowd. Y'all got brunch plans. Here we go. I'm going to let you go get your brunch plans. Here's the first thing you need to understand. We have the same process. We have the same process. Look at verse 30 again, Acts 28. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. For for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. I told you Acts ends like it begins. You remember what Jesus told the disciples to do when he was getting ready to leave? He says, I need y'all to go wait. I need you to go sit somewhere. So many times, the process that we want to lean into is the process of busyness. The process of going, the process of doing. But God says, I got the same process. I got the same process. Go wait in the house. Some of y'all have big plans for your career, big plans for your future, big plans for how God is going to use you in the marketplace and out there. But I need for some of y'all to show up and sit in the house. That there's a period of your life, a period of your calling where the first thing that you need to do, same process, is sit in the house. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. There's so many people in our day and age who want to skip steps. And in skipping steps, wondering why what we get is not what we saw. Or what we get is not what we heard. The Lord said, you've been skipping steps. 
We, we have the same process. Now, I'm going to show you this process, and I'm going to work backwards from Acts 1-8. Now, Acts 1-8, y'all have read this scripture before. I'm going to quote it from memory. It says, and you will be my witnesses when the Spirit comes upon you in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Let's start with the end of that sentence. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. If you are, have been in any Bible teaching church for any amount of time, you understand that Jerusalem is the core. Judea is the next level of outreach that gives you to the extended family. Samaria is now us reaching out to the uncomfortable places, and the uttermost parts of the world is us living in faith. Matter of fact, we are the uttermost parts of the world. The gospel did what it was supposed to do. We have the same process. He says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. I told you before, the book of Luke starts in Galilee and ends in Jerusalem. There's movement. The, the book of Acts begins in Jerusalem and ends in Rome. There is movement. Jesus instructs the disciples to move the gospel from Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the world. That happened. There is movement. The book ends in the epicenter of the then known world. There is going to be movement. Paul leaves the gospel to continue in the direction the Savior promised. Watch this, y'all. We make a huge mistake thinking that the process stopped with Paul. That if there is movement in the beginning, movement in its growth, movement in its momentum, there is still supposed to be movement with the gospel today. It starts with you sitting in the house, but the gospel was never supposed to stay in the house. Idolizing Paul was never the purpose of Luke's writing. I told you it was an illustration of what we were supposed to be. The goal of the church, watch this, has always been to move from in here to out there. The goal of the church was always to move from the house to the marketplace. The goal of the church was to move from this house to your house. The goal of the church was to move from this place to the city center. That this was supposed to be, I think it's called an embassy that sits in the middle of a foreign land but gives us jurisdiction to have authority in that land. Here it is. Watch this. We have the same process. But God says we're supposed to start in here. Yes, I told you to sit, but you can't sit forever. Yeah, I told you to show up, but showing up is not the end of your assignment. We have the same process to move from in here to out there. And here's the problem, y'all. When we think that we've accomplished half the process and celebrate the way that we do, we miss the fact that God wanted to do much more with us. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge basketball fan, huge basketball fan. I like like Tim Ross. I'm from L.A. I'm from Long Beach, actually, to be, to be uh, I think I heard a whoop-whoop over there. Uh, I'm from Long Beach, California, and so I'm a huge Laker fan. I am a bitter Laker fan. I am an angry Laker fan. I am a frustrated Laker fan. Let me say all of that right now. 
my, 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 my team did a great job to come back. We lost, and I'm not talking about that anymore. Let's leave that alone. But, but, but one of my favorite Lakers of all times, obviously, is Kobe Bryant. And one year, one year, uh, when the Lakers were demolishing everybody in the playoffs, Kobe sits down behind the desk uh, in the press conference room, and they ask him a question about winning game two of a four-game series. He says, y'all are up now 2-0, and you did it in convincing fashion. Kobe, why don't you look happy? Kobe, with that stern mamba look on his face, stares back at the commentator, and he says, job's not finished. Y'all missed it. Uh, Kobe says, he says, yes, we're up 2-0, but that's only half the job. You got to win four to move on. He says, the problem is, if I start celebrating before the process is done, what will end up happening is, I might get distracted with my celebration and not fulfill my assignment. And the Lord told me to tell somebody who's in the room, who's been sitting and showing up, that now it's time for you to realize, job's not finished. There's some more things that God has called you to. Some more things he wants you to do. Jobs not finished. We have, we have the same process. We have the same process. But not only do we have the same process, watch this, we have the same presence. The Bible says that Paul sits in a house and he starts welcoming other people in. When you look at the house in the New Testament, oftentimes the Bible will say this about the house, that the people came because the spirit of the Lord was there. Mark chapter number two, Jesus starts teaching and the Bible says the spirit of the Lord was there to heal and the people filled the house so much so that they couldn't even get in the doors because where the spirit is, people see the work of the spirit and they show up wanting to see. You don't have to have gimmicks. You, you don't need a marketing plan. You, 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 don't need, you don't need no fancy lights. If the spirit is there, I wish I had three or four people in the room that knew wherever the spirit of the Lord is, that's where liberty is. Where the spirit of the Lord is, that's where power is. Where the spirit of the Lord is, that's where God is. And people even want to be there. I tell you a story. I told you I'm from LA and, and we were moving from LA to Texas and we were sitting in a hotel on Esther's Road in Irving getting ready to go back to California on the day we decided we were not going to go back to California permanently. We were packing up our stuff. We had examined the land God had called us to go to and we were leaving, me and my wife. It was just the two of us. We hadn't had children yet. This was 17 years ago in July. And we sat down in that bed, I stared at the ceiling, and I looked up and my wife knew that there was something wrong. She said, what are you thinking? I said, oh, this is a big move. Both of our families were still in California. My parents, her parents, my siblings, her sibling, aunts, uncles, careers, money, stability, housing. <laughs> So I'm laying up at the ceiling as the man who's supposed to provide all these things for my wife, and I'm about to take it all away from her. She says, are you okay? And I said, ah, to be honest, I'm a little nervous. She said, why? I said, because this is a big move, and what if it doesn't work out? She held me that night, looked me in my eyes, and said, as long as we're together, we'll be okay. As long, yeah, you ought to clap for that. That's a good woman right there. 
She said, as long as we're together, we'll be okay. I need somebody to understand this today, that we have the same process as those who came in the book of Acts, but we also have the same presence. He gave us the process that it was from here to there, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the world. He says, that's going to happen when the spirit shows up. And here's what you have to understand, that it seems like a daunting task to go from in here to out there, but as long as we've got the spirit, we're going to be okay. As long as we've got his presence, we're going to be okay. There are some of you who are in the room right now who fear being alone, but I'll tell you this, you just come out of a series about being connected and God has given you some ways that you need to connect with other people. But even if folks start tripping, as long as I got the spirit, I'm going to be okay. Watch this. The God who commands us to take territory in his name will not send us out without giving his presence. Say that again. The God who calls you to take territory in his name will not cause you to go out without his presence. This is not limited to Luke. This is a biblical consistency of God. In Matthew 28, what we know to be the Great Commission, Jesus promises us that he's going to be with us as we go and make disciples. In John 14, Jesus promises us that he's leaving us, not as the end, but he says, I'm going to give you a paraclete. And the paraclete is the helper, the one that's going to come alongside of you. He says, you want him to come because I've been alongside you. He's going to be in you. This is a biblical consistency of God. He will not send you out without his presence. Watch this. All the way back in the Old Testament, we're reminded of how God promises Joshua. He says, I will be with you. And Moses understood this because Moses says, I ain't going nowhere without you. He says, God, I'm not moving unless you go. And here's the reality. We got to get a Moses mentality. We got to say, God, I'm not going there unless you go with me. We got to get a Joshua revelation that God, I will obey because I know you're with me. We got to get a Jesus understanding that you're going to live in me. And then we got a Pentecostal understanding that the spirit of God shows up to empower me. I need some somebody in the room to know that we have the same presence. It's the same presence that they had. It's the same presence that comforted them. The same presence that gave them joy. It's the same presence that brings healing. It's the same presence that causes demons to flee. It's the same presence that is necessary to regulate my weary mind. It's the same presence. The problem is you don't understand that he's a presence because you only talk about his work. You don't talk about his person. And so now what you expect when the spirit shows up is for something to be done, not someone to be with. We, we, we don't understand his presence because we want him to show up and do something. Lord, I just want to be with you. We have the same presence. And Paul is welcoming people, not just into a rented house, Tim. He's inviting them into the presence of God. Can I ask you a question? Do you trust, this is not rhetorical, you can answer me. Do you trust that the presence of God lives in this house? Then why is it a hesitance to invite people into a presence that will change their lives? 
No, you ought to be telling everybody you know that there's a place where deliverance happens, that there's a place where healing happens. There's a place where your lonely and weary mind can be fixed and healed and helped. And it's in the presence of his spirit. Here it is. Watch this. We have the same presence. We have the same, I mean, we have the same process. We have the same presence. We have the same power. Paul is in this house and the Bible says he's teaching on the kingdom of God. This is good stuff right here Uh, because here's the reality. Whenever preaching of the kingdom of God is mentioned in the scripture, it is synonymously attached to the power of God's deliverance. We, we have the same process. We've got to go from in here to out there. We have the same presence that the Spirit of God dwells in us and with us and for us and empowers us. But we also have the same power. We have the same power. The, 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 the kingdom of God is synonymous with the power of God. Watch this. He, he said, Acts 1-8, remember I'm working backwards. Jerusalem, your assignment. Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. You'll do that because the Spirit shows up. Right before he said the Spirit's going to show up, he says, you will receive power. He, he, says, he says, I need for you to understand that, that what I'm getting ready to give you is some serious stuff, y'all. He says, what I'm getting ready to give you is some serious stuff. He says, I'm about to give you the same power. My Bible readers know where I'm going. He says, I'm about to unload and unleash on you the same power. I'm I'm, going to tease it out a little bit because I think my Bible readers are getting me. He says, I'm about to allow you to utilize the same power. Now, if you're a Christian, this ought to make you go crazy because this is the hope of everything that we believe. If there is no resurrection, the Bible says we of all people are to be most pitied. And the Bible says that he has placed in us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead? I believe that's a life-changing power. I believe that's an eternity-shaking power. I believe that that's a power that literally turns B.C. to A.D. It's a power to change time. It's a power to change history. It's a power to change mindsets. It's a power that can't be stopped. And here's what you got to understand, Felicia. That same power lives in me. No, I don't know if y'all got that. I don't know if y'all got that. I I, I pay attention to the electrical currents that are happening around me. And if there's an electrical current that's a loose wire, they say that's live power. They say that's live power. It's it's all over the place. So you got to be careful how you touch it because it's so powerful. If it's not contained the right way, it'll destroy some things. And I think over the last 2,000 years, because the church doesn't understand the kind of power we have, we've destroyed some people because our words got power. Our thoughts got power. Our abilities got power. And the problem is we've been wrecking people with power. But what if we contain that power in the process with the same presence and begin to say, God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this live power, submit it to you, and watch lives get changed. Paul's preaching on the kingdom. Sit down. I got one more point. Don't do that to me yet. Don't do that to me yet. Here it is. Watch. Paul says, I'm teaching on the kingdom. And if you go back to when Jesus first taught on the kingdom, Matthew 4, verse 17 through about 25, I think it is. Bible says he came on the scene and began preaching and teaching 
the gospel of the kingdom. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, not because he needed to preach, watch this, the gospel of the kingdom. He wasn't yet preaching the death, burial, and resurrection. They couldn't handle that yet. But he's preaching a gospel. He's preaching the gospel. Because Paul said there's not a gospel, but there is one gospel. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. But he's not yet preaching the fullness of the death, death, burial, and resurrection. Because they can't handle that yet. What he's preaching now is, because you got the process and the presence, there's a different kind of power that's here. And when Jesus would preach it, watch what would happen. The people, the Bible says, would listen to the gospel of the kingdom. And then the next thing would happen is, he would heal every disease. He would cast out demons. He would set some things in order. Here's what the Lord told me to tell you. We're not done yet. That same power is here to heal diseases to cast out demons, to set things in order, to begin to create the space where the presence and the kingdom of God begin to reign and rule in every area and atmosphere and sphere around us. Here's what we're called to, y'all, to take this power from in here to out there with the power, with the presence of God, with the power of God, so that people can see it alive in us, but submit it to him. The, the power is alive, that live wire, in us, but it's submitted to him. I, I love this, this thing about the power of God because I think the problem with many of us is that our concept of the power of God is only to deliver us from sinful behavior. That means our vision of who God is is too small. Our, 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 our power to save our soul and to get us out of, out of our sin debt, that's true. But it's just the beginning. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. No, when he delivers me from that sinful heart, now I take that compassion that he placed in me, that replaced that bitterness that used to be in me, and I love on people so much so that the atmosphere is transformed whenever I show up. I'm a thermostat, not a thermometer. I change atmospheres. I don't read them. I begin to make things happen. Here's the reality. It's the power of God in you. Your vision of what God wants to do is too small. You think the power is just to get you a promotion. The Lord says, no, I want to change the industry. You you think the power is just to make sure your family stops arguing. God says, I'm trying to change generations. Your vision of the power is too small. Can you imagine if the book of Acts was Paul just saying, I don't want to murder no more. I don't want to kill people, God. Take it out of me. And, and then for 28 chapters, all we see is, I thank God that he took murder out of my heart. All I did was murder people. And now I got a testimony. I don't murder no more. That's too small. That's too small. I'm not saying it's not right. I thank God every time Paul told his testimony, he included it. But it was as he was moving in front of governments. As he was moving in front of Caesars, as he was changing industries, as he was taking cities for the kingdom of God, your vision of the power of God has got to grow up. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Here we go. We got, we got four. We on three. Here's the last one. First thing, recap. We have the same process. We have the same presence. We have the same power. Watch this. We have the same promise. 
here's here's Acts 1-8. Here's Acts 1-8. And you will. That that alone should have made somebody shout. Because this is not a this is not an empty promise from one of the homies. This is not an empty promise from somebody that you have been convinced is a good storyteller. This is the word of God. And you will. That's a promise. That is an imperative. That is when God says, hey, if you do what I tell you to do, here's what's going to happen. That's when the Lord looks at you and says, hey, out of all this stuff that we've been talking about, and you understand now that the power, your vision of the power has got to be increased, that the presence of God that's with you is the thing that's going to carry you, and the process that we're going to do it in is the way that it's going to happen. He says, once you get a hold of all that, I need for you to understand, this is not a bet. This is not a gamble. This is not a, 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 a possibility. God says this is a guarantee. You will receive power. You will be witnesses. You will have expansion. Y'all missed it. Because Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world is expansion. Now watch the problem here is that the church preaches, <laughs> thank you Holy Spirit, it's not in my notes. He says the, the problem with expansion is that we, the way we teach it is expansion comes without heartache. They moved from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the world through persecution. And I dare not preach to you an expansion that does not come with a level of discomfort. No, 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 no. This expansion that God is getting ready to do in you, yeah, it's necessary for the kingdom of God to keep moving. It's necessary for you to move to your next level. But it's also going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some relationships. It's going to cost you some peace of mind. It's going to cost you some physical heartache. It's going to cost you some spiritual warfare. The Lord told me to tell you today, it's a promise, but the promise comes with both sides. You get both of them. <laughs> there, there's, there's a movie uh, back in the day, Cuba Gooden Jr. played radio. They asked him, they say, radio, you want the sweet potato pie or you want the apple pie? Radio said, both of them. <laughs> Lord told me to tell you today, I'm going to give you expansion. And you say, well, God, does it come with discomfort or does it come with grace and glory? He said, both of them. <laughs> he said, it's going to come with some discomfort, but it's also going to come with some glory. And if you want to get to the glory, you have to fight through the discomfort. It's a promise. It's a promise. Don't, don't let me leave here and y'all come back here next week and y'all say, well, he told me to spin around five times and it was all going to be done. I didn't say that. You can spin around all you want. You might just be dizzy. Here's what the Lord told me to tell you. You will. You will. There's a promise attached. But here's the reality. The reason why you got to know that it's the word of God is because you got to see that if God did it for them, He'll do it for you. You notice that we don't read the Bible, Tim, feeling sorry for Paul, but we're excited about how he went through. But when we go through trials, we feel sorry for ourselves. Like we're not going to get the same outcome he got. No, 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 no. When you read about Paul's thorn in the side, you're so proud of him because God's grace is sufficient. And God's going to make the, the, the weakness of Paul, the strength of the glory of God. Come on, Paul. Then when your sides start hurting. Now, now all of a sudden it's, God, I don't understand. I served you. I worshiped you. I tithed. I gave everything. That preacher said go through the process. And I did it all. Now my side hurt. Maybe we ought to start doing what James told us to do. 
to rejoice in our trials, knowing that the testing of our faith is going to produce something in us that we can't get without suffering, that we can't get without pain, that we can't get without trial. Maybe we ought to start worshiping God in the middle of it. You know why? Because storms look different for people with seed in the ground. That means I'm going through this storm, but I know it's about to produce something. I'm going through this storm, but I know it's about to give me something. I, I got two more things to share with you, and I'm done. Watch this. My kids, they love French's cooking. French came with me. He's one of the uh, leaders in our church, and French can cook, y'all. He can burn. He, he cooks lo lamb lollipops for my daughters on Mother's Day. My kids start bragging about French's food like it's the best thing they ever tasted. Now, I cook too, so I'm insulted now. I tell French, I say, uh, man, I need that recipe. French sends me over videos and instructions as to how to do the thing. My kids are looking at me like, it ain't gonna be Mr. French's lamb. <laughs> but I understand this, he sent me the process. He also sent me videos, so while I'm in the kitchen, he's with me. I got his process. I got his presence. He said, you got a cast iron in the oven, don't you? Yeah, I said, I got power. And what I have is, if I follow his instructions, what I have is a promise that it'll turn out the same way. And in the middle of it, I don't get tired because the smoke hit my eye. I, I don't quit because the oven is taking longer to heat than his oven did. I, I don't quit because I don't see the same color that his had at the same point in time. No, what I keep doing is I keep running through the process. I keep listening to his voice in my ear. I got his presence. I keep making sure that all the power is intact and it's moving the way it's supposed to. And when it came out, I let it rest. I let it rest. I let him rest. I let him rest. And what I was able to do was carve that lamb up and serve it to the people who doubted me in the first place. And you know what they said? Tastes just like Mr. French's. Cause we got the same process, the same presence, the same power, and the same promise. I wish I had five people in the room who are looking forward to letting him take his rest. And as he rests, you get ready. Cause when he come up, he gonna carve up this meat and start passing it out. And the same promise, the same promise, the same promise that God gave to them in the book of Acts is coming for you. Come on, give God some praise in this house. Hey, if you're here today, you're like, who is this big man sweating and screaming? Why is he so excited? Because there's a promise for you too. For those of you who haven't received Jesus, here's the promise. The Bible says if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that you will. It's a promise. You will. It's a promise. You will be rescued, saved, made whole in the presence of our holy God. Make that decision today and allow God to rescue and save you so that you too can worship the way we're worshiping because we know that we're not done yet. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel 
at youtube.com forward slash Embassy City Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text Embassy City, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.